Hello, and welcome back to the Give and Go. I'm your co-host, Reynoso, here with my boy. Soltero, what's up, guys? The Gold Cup is here, brother. Absolutely. The Gold Cup is in full motion. We can go in many different ways here. We can talk about the surprise of the Caribbean teams. We can talk about Central American teams. We can talk about the big dogs in the U.S. and Mexico or disappointments so far in Canada. Where would you like to go, brother? Where shall, where shall Saltero's mind take us to start off this episode? Well, we just finished the Mexico against IT match in Glendale, Arizona, Gold Cup 2023. So I say we start right there. Lamborghini getting a second win this tournament against what ended up being a feisty Haitian side. But ultimately, a team that just couldn't go 90 minutes against this, you know, overall talented Mexican team. A lot to say, but also just in general. Is it necessary? Right. Because at the end of the day, when I look at what the Gold Cup offers, especially this year specifically, it's so tough to tell what to read into and what not to, man. Because at the end of this match, it ended up being a really good result for Mexico, but couldn't have Diego Coca gotten the same result? Mm, mm -hmm. So what is there to build off of from this tournament? It gets really tricky. And then when you look at performances from Canada and the USA, which we'll get into after this segment, but it gets really difficult to truly analyze the actual state of this Mexican side. Because, I mean, for the first 45 minutes, nil-nil going into halftime, Haiti looked really good. They looked as good as they could, whereas Mexico, they didn't look bad by any means, but it also, but they also didn't look as good as they could have. Come second half, they kind of just turned up the gear a little bit. Haiti got off to a really slow start, 1-0, two minutes into the second half, but after that, it was pretty much over. Mexico started to see way more of the ball, and they just kind of took over. But as we expected, right, because our analysis going into this Gold Cup was Mexico struggle against really good teams, but yep. teams that are lesser than them, they always find a way to beat them. So nothing has changed from that perspective. So it's so tough to get a true read on is Mexico actually going in the right direction or not? What, what do you think, though? Like, as a true Mexico fan, do you see this as a really positive thing, getting a nice 3-1 win against Haiti? Or do you look at the more negative side, how do we not get a goal in the first 45 minutes? I'm looking honestly at uh, outside factors, not so much what's happening on the pitch, but the momentum that is being built. We were talking during the game, bro, how quickly the energy has shifted around the Mexican team after 180 minutes of football being played. It's crazy how many people are on board the Lamborghini already. But like you said, could Coca have not had done this as well? Yeah. I, I think he could have, honestly. Maybe in not such a exciting fashion but i'm still not fully convinced rightfully so because of the quality of the opponents that mexico has been playing against honduras more like honduras bro i think there's a lot to be said of honduras right now in the current state they're in if you think mexico is going through a crazy dark time look at honduras right now honduras is that times 10 dude terrible coach not calling up the right players that should be called up terrible federation making making awful moves behind the scenes and an overall cold culture around the sport right now that's very saddening bro yeah. very depressing after the shameful performances they had in world cup qualifying and then it well 
They're having a really good story so far in the Gold Cup, uh, beating Qatar in their first inaugural match 2-1 off of a crazy game-winning goal, lifting themselves into a position where they could potentially make it into the round of 16 due to that result. And then they face off against Mexico, play a great first half, but then ultimately fall short. I just don't think there's much to take away here from the Mexican perspective. I mean, you have Uriel Antuna going the fuck off and looking like Jack Grealish on the pitch against IT, bro. Yeah. It's very, it's very confusing yeah. to take what's happening on the pitch and to really put any sort of gravity or weight to it but ultimately i'm happy though i'm happy this is positive momentum is very important in the sport and it's building towards something i just don't know what specific thing it's building towards yet yeah to keep going on the vibe that you've that you've just set going into this gold cup i kind of told myself you know i'm gonna kind of ignore the United States, Mexico, and Canada's performances throughout this entire tournament simply because they've all approached it just in very interesting ways, right? USA sending their B-minus team, Canada sending their B team, and then Mexico going into it knowing that they're probably one of the better teams, trying to get something out of it, but also firing their coach right before it. Therefore, in my opinion, not putting that much pressure onto what could actually happen. But also knowing that they're probably going to get far into the tournament considering the talent that they play, you know, especially in the group stages. So what I've actually been more fascinated by, specifically in this tournament, has been every other team. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to take this opportunity Please. right now. I actually want to talk about this Haitian side, man. Yeah. Because they're so close to having a complete team. And I don't even mean in the sense of like being able to compete with the best of CONCACAF. I just mean having the confidence in their defense, midfield, and offensive positions all throughout the entire pitch to be able to be like, we can compete against anybody and they almost did that against Mexico in this game going 45 minutes toe to toe each side getting really good chances Mexico having a, a crazy Henry Martin chance that actually ended up being a really good block by Pierre and then Donald Guerrier the number 10 for Haiti getting a golden opportunity to put them up one nil but and they're just going straight to Ochoa but even besides those big chances Haiti looked really good. They looked really active as far as ball recovery. And then when they would get the ball, their possession wasn't great, but their mindset of let's just go at Mexico, give no fucks, and try and get past their defense, I loved their mindset and how they approached their offensive tactics. The only thing that Haiti's missing, bro, is a true midfield presence. That's it. You know, when I look back, you know, Ricardo Ade and the rest of that back line, it's not great, but I actually kind of have faith in it because they're so active. They're always looking to cut off chances. And even against a really mighty Mexico side, they honestly didn't look nervous. They were actually up for the challenge. And just that simple fact made me realize, I was like, well, Haiti, at the end of the day, have the right attitude toward playing against pretty much any team. And then offensively, well, you got Donald Guerrier, Duncan's Nasson, Fafa Pico, so active offensively, I know that they're going to just keep running and keep penetrating as often as they can. Where they really falter, though, is when they try to keep possession because they don't have any midfielders that can actually hold on to the ball and possess it. And it really shows, you know, especially against a team like Mexico, when you need to have spells of possession, 
Haiti realistically never had that. And I think ultimately that's what ended up being their defeat in this game was not having any spells of rest on the ball. Pretty much for 90 minutes, they're always chasing it. It never looked desperate, but after 90 minutes, you're kind of you're going to get really tired and eventually you're going to succumb to your opponent. So Haiti are so close to having a really fun, competitive team. They are just missing some crucial pieces in the midfield, but hey, props to them because they still have some really talented players. And it just frustrates me, though, just from an unbiased point of view because they're so close to being probably one of the best Caribbean teams ever. <laughs> There's so much potential <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. team, man. They're already they're sniffing s- it. They're sniffing it. But yeah, it's just, it's just tough if you just don't have the pieces you need. Haiti's golden generation right now is in full swing and full motion as they lose 3-1 to Mexico. But hey, a positive to take from this game is that Honduras lost 4-0 to Mexico. And Haiti, in order to get out of the group, now has to defeat or maybe even just tie a Honduran side that if Haiti doesn't have a midfield, Honduras doesn't have a midfield or a defense brother or a goalkeeper. Barely have an offense at this point, although they do have some talent up there. I think that that game is going to be very important, one to look forward to when it comes to deciding IT's future in this tournament. They could find themselves in a quarterfinal matchup based off of the result they get in this next match. And I think with the momentum they have, the fact that they still show some very good signs in that match against Mexico, I see them beating Honduras, bro. I see them beating Honduras and getting a result to make it past the quarterfinal and kicking Honduras out of this tournament. The other team in this group is Qatar. Qatar, who showed up looking to just, you know, kind of develop the players that they have right now. They're missing some key players and a thief and Al Haidos who decided not to come. But still, I think I saw six out of 11 players starting for them uh, played on the same team, Al Saad. So they're trying to develop some sort of chemistry at the younger level right now and try to compete in this North American tournament. And they were able to do that in that first game against IT. It took a game-winning opportunity for IT to win that game. Otherwise, it would have been a tie. But then you fast-forward to the next game, and Qatar is leading 1-0 until the very last minute once again. And I just realized, bro, they've conceded last-minute goals back-to-back times, bro. Yeah, really, really frustrating. But what a goal, though. Yeah. Like, what an, what a beautiful goal from Ellis, who... I haven't seen the post-match report. Maybe broke his wrist or something. Something had happened. Bro, he was holding it tenderly, man. And if Ellis is gone (laughs) for the rest of the tournament, man, Honduras are done, like truly. But what a goal at the end of the day. But, I mean, just talking about Honduras, I think you already mentioned it. This is really bad. Really, really bad. They have nothing to go off of. Nothing. I would say outside of... Ellis and Castillo, but we already know that they are Honduras's offensive pieces. Outside of those two guys, the only other player that looked active or proactive in going forward was their fullback, uh, Nunez. Yeah. Nunez was incredibly active throughout the entire match, just going up and down that right flank. But there's no midfield creativity, absolutely none. Their defense is pretty reactive, never looking to impose themselves and make themselves big against their opponents. And then, again, outside of Ellis and Castillo, there's no offensive chemistry, man. There's nothing here. And I know that sounds so, so negative, but this Honduran team ain't it. And it is crazy because, you know, we talk about Mexico having a really bad cycle going into 2026. 
Talk about Honduras, man. Like a Central American team that was so prominent for so long in the mid-2000s. Now have the opportunity to play a World Cup in North America. And, bro, I, I, don't, I don't see how they make it. Yeah. I yeah. really don't. Uh, and if they play the way they're playing right now, I hope they don't make it. Because <laughs> I don't want that type of talent and yeah. quality at the fucking World Cup, man. So, Honduras, I am so sorry, but this is the worst team of Hondurans I have ever seen. But do, do you it's think abysmal? That, do you think they, they can? Is there any sort of light, any sort of hope uh, at the end of the tunnel that you're seeing here for Honduras, bro? I've heard a lot of criticism of the coaching selections. I believe there's a player right now, an Honduran, and somewhere in Greece right now playing that didn't get called up to play in this oh, in this Gold Chirinos. Cup. Yes, Michael. Chirinos. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like, is there anything to go off of to think that maybe Honduras can bounce back from this? Maybe not in time for the 2026 World Cup, but maybe for 2030 at this point. <laughs> Shit. See, but th that's the problem, man, is that their new generation of players, Elis, Quillotto, Castillo, and Chirinos, they're supposed to be the new hope for this generation of Hondurans. They're, th and they're already performing the way they are. I don't, I don't think there's any fix here. You're going to have to wait like another 10, 15 years before we see that next generation of Hondurans actually make a statement for themselves because the generation of Hondurans that are supposed to be successful are already here for the most part outside of maybe Chirinos, and they're just not cutting it. They're just not cutting it. Now, I do think that the coaching aspect does play a part in how poor they're doing because I remember Fabian Goito, when he was in charge, he had Honduras going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the USA and the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals. Like, there is a chance for Honduras to reach that height, but I just think they're past it. I think it's motivation that they're lacking, also passion from the players, and then just external factors all weighing down on this Honduran federation that's just not letting them play the, the way that they need to. I think there's a lot of pressure on them to perform, especially knowing that, hey, we got to qualify for this World mm -hmm, Cup, mm -hmm. and it's all backfiring. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see a way out for them, especially in the next two years. Frustrating, bro. Frustrating. And what's crazy is that despite these negative words, despite the performances we've seen from them at this tournament, they could theoretically make it out of the group if they get a victory against IT and Qatar gets dismantled by Mexico. We still might see Honduras qualify into the next round because of that late last minute, last second goal that they got against Qatar to tie the game. So it'll be interesting to see their path in that specific match against IT to see how that plays out. And in full effect, that should close Group B. I want to move up to a different group as well. Let's talk about Group A now, the group with USA, Jamaica, St. Kitts and Nevis, and Trinidad and Tobago. We've seen some really interesting results in this game, yeah. one being a USA victory of 6-0 against St. Kitts, where Jesus Ferreira looked like Jesus. He looked like a fucking god out there, bro. He, did, he, did. he became the youngest American to score 10 goals in his international career, the fastest to that mark. But it's a stat that, by God, bro, needs some goddamn context, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Crazy yeah, yeah. what he's been able to achieve against these smaller Caribbean sides and CONCACAF. But regardless, the USA looked good in that match, and they ended up tying against Jamaica in a potential finals preview 1-1. Your takeaway so far from this USA squad and how they're looking in this tournament. I think the USA look very, very good. And as we previewed before the tournament, 
USA is a title contender. They've managed to show that in their first two group stage games. And there's a lot of players right now that are playing at a very high level. You just highlighted Ferreira, who's been on the mark since the Gold Cup started, just scoring goal after goal. Then you have players like Mihailovic being able to kind of pull the strings from a creative standpoint in the midfield for the USA. And then you have guys like Brian Reynolds, you know, mm -hmm. getting really active, scoring a banger of him. That was a beautiful shot. Yeah, bro. scoring a banger of his own in that game against St. Kitts. And there's just a lot of really good chemistry going on for this USA squad. A lot to learn and a lot to say about them. But in the grand scheme of things, I kind of go back to what I was saying earlier when I had my Mexico take. All of this really is just who's going to be the reserves for the A team of the USA, right? Regardless of how well Ferreira plays, unless Balogun breaks his leg, <laughs> Ferreira's not starting. Yeah. Just, just straight up. And that's not even an insult to you Ferreira. You don't think he would thrive in a different role, Ferreira? No, I, the, my problem with Ferreira is I, I really do think he's pretty one-dimensional, which is okay, though, if you're a number nine because you're not expected to do anything else other than ride that line and score goals, right? You're not expected to have excellent touch, god-tier handles. You're just expected to put the ball in the back of the net, and I think Ferreira does a really good job at that. But I think Balogun is a lot better in build-up. Plus, he's just as good, if not better, which he is, at scoring than Ferreira. So you pit the two together every single time you're picking Balogun over Ferreira. And again, it's not an insult to Ferreira. I think it's more praise that that is how good Folarin Balogun actually is. And so that, that's yeah. what I'm getting at is yeah. that this Gold Cup dude, gets so interesting for these bigger teams because at the end of the day, does it really, truly mean anything? Like, look at Cade Cowell. Right, starting on the left side for the USA, constantly involved, constantly penetrating. So far against Jamaica and now against St. Kitts. Dude, he's not starting over Christian Pulisic. Nah. And he's not nah. even going to get minutes off the bench because instead you bring on either Wea or Brendan Aronson or Reyna or whoever else is on the bench. K. Cowell's sixth, seventh choice at that point. So it, this Gold Cup's so weird, man. It's so weird from like a truly competitive, what can we learn point of view. Yeah, and what the Gold Cup has me thinking now is that we might have a new team entering the top three of CONCACAF. If things continue building the way that we see them so far, if the potential that is there for this team to nourish and flourish with comes to fruition, we might see Jamaica enter the top three of CONCACAF for sure. The favorite to finish out World Cup qualifying in first with Mexico, USA, and Canada already qualified. Jamaica, to me, yeah. so far has looked so impressive. They were able to get that victory in a sort of fashion that I've never really seen Jamaica do a victory with. It was it was dominance. It was clinical. Damari Gray grabbing himself yeah. a brace on his birthday. Studs all around. Mikel Antonio bodying dudes. Yeah, Leon Bailey, although he was off, was wildly active. The whole backline and midfield was so solid and reliable. I was truly impressed with this performance, specifically against Trinidad and Tobago, because Trinidad and Tobago has some momentum coming off of their initial victory in their first match, but then they just fall completely short against this Jamaica team. And I'm I'm just starting to ask the question. I don't know if it's a gold cup after effect, but Jamaica, if they can continue building, if they can continue developing, if they can trust in Halgrimson to lead them to something special, 
I think this team, as mentioned in the preview, continues to be one that needs to be watched out for and can potentially make a deep run in this tournament and likewise make a deep run in World Cup qualifying and see themselves at the 2026 World Cup. Jamaica is the reason why I'm so involved in this Gold Cup or teams like Jamaica because I think that they can make a statement. A statement not just here in this Gold Cup, but for potential World Cup qualification to represent their country in 2026. Jamaica had such an easy performance against Trinidad and Tobago, but you're right. The way that they did it was so professional. And I think that's the right word to use because at the end of the day, they were slicing and dicing, finding excellent through balls, and then just being clinical, you know? And it was very, very impressive to watch. I think what I need to see from Jamaica is I need to see a, a, a deep, deep run. Nothing less than semifinals, nothing less. And honestly, considering the team that Canada has brought and even considering other teams outside of Mexico and the USA, Jamaica should get to this final. And if they don't, I'm actually going to count that as a failure because Jamaica going into this tournament, I think have set a goal for themselves to try to dominate CONCACAF with the context that the USA, Canada are not bringing their best teams. If they don't do that, then I think Jamaica is the next best team outside of those two teams. Truly, man. Dude, I think Truly. and I think Jamaican fans know it too, bro. I've been I've been <laughs> lurking on YouTube, man. I yeah. mean, if you look at our Gold Cup preview, it's full of Jamaicans, bro. The Jamaican community showed out because they know that this is a team that they've always wanted. They yeah. like we mentioned, the, yes. the issue with them is just seeing all those players come together to play all at once, and it's finally happening for them. And so you got Jamaicans giddy, bro. Jamaicans <laughs> are excited about what's happening, but it should be. But likewise, I want to see it actually end up in product. I want to see it end up potentially in silverware, bro, because it would be amazing to see, but also that's what's needed, honestly, to be able to make a statement in this region. That's my whole problem, though, with Jamaica, is that I think anything short of a finals appearance this year in this Gold Cup is actually going to do a lot more harm than good because let's say they knock out in the semifinals against like a B-team USA side or a B-team Canada side or a struggling Mexico side, man. If that happens, then they're going to look at each other and be like, our A-team can't even Jeez. beat the B-teams that are right next to us, right? Our rivals. If we can't compete with that, then what the fuck are we doing here? Like, why are we coming all the way from England to represent our country if we don't even believe in ourselves to actually get good results? So I'm actually not, I'm not scared. I'm not worried. I'm just kind of approaching Jamaica's progress in this tournament a little bit cautiously solely because of the history that they've set themselves up with. The fact that they struggle with squad selection consistency. Because if they cannot convince themselves that they're good enough, bro, M Michael Antonio is not going to receive every call up. Yeah. Like, he's just going to be like, well, yeah. what's the point? And I, un I understand that. And that's, that's the tricky part about mm -hmm. international football, man. Because mm -hmm. the, the tricky part is, is if you get a big conglomerate of players that are constantly playing at such a higher level than their international game, it can be really tough to find that motivation for them. And I think the only true motivation for this Jamaican squad is to get to the final. If they do that, then I can pretty much just guarantee that they will go through qualification very confidently and for sure grab themselves a spot at the 2026 World Cup. But bro, if they don't get to this Gold Cup final, man, 
I'm actually going to be a little worried about them, just considering the past. If they make it to the quarterfinals in second place, they face off against first place in Group D, which is probably the weakest group in this tournament. Yeah. Canada, Guatemala, Guadalupe, and Cuba. Any of those teams, I think Jamaica can take them on their day. And so Jamaica has a path here to the semifinal, almost guaranteed, dude. Yeah. Uh, dude, St. Kitts and Nevis, holy shit. Uh, and I don't even mean from a bad point of view. This is their first yeah. Gold Cup. This is their debut. And what a small, small nation. Honestly, I cannot imagine what it must be like to actually represent a country like that. Yeah. When it, you're, it's like a, a, a country no bigger than like a town of McKinney, you know, <laughs> here, here in Texas. Like it's that small. And you're able to go up against the United States of America, Premier League players in Jamaica. And then, you know, your fellow Caribbean, your fellow Caribbean rivals in Trinidad and Tobago. But to be able to actually take the pitch at a continental competitive tournament as St. Kitts and Nevis, dude, that's actually nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. I, 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 I am hoping for them to be able to crack that seal that is the first ever gold cup goal in their history if they can just get that one singular goal man it'd be a beautiful moment for that country and for those people they got close they got close in the game against the usa but just weren't able to do it at the end of the day and then the last team in this group trinidad and tobago who my takeaway from them bro is like they're, they're like a weaker jamaica they're like jamaica fucking five years ago you know with one or two players of just really good quality but the rest still struggling to figure it out i just think this team is missing a lot in almost every area of the pitch they struggle a lot to contain a team like how we saw against jamaica where 20 minutes in it's already 2-0 and they were struggling to get back into the game Trinidad and Tobago has a lot to work on here, and I don't see them getting a result or a victory against the USA in a situation where no. they need it the most, and so I bid them farewell in this tournament, but they had their moment, they had their victory, they had their goal-scoring moments against St. Kitts, and that's probably going to be it for them, and they still have a lot of work to do, a lot of development to be had, so that they can someday return to be a competitive force in CONCACAF. Now, Group C and D are the two groups remaining now. Um... Uh, the difference between them and Group A and B is that Group A and B so far on the day of recording have played two games. C and D have only played one. Yeah, so yeah. So there's still not a, there's not much we can take away here. Right. But it's crazy, the, the disparity, because for some of these teams, there's a lot you can take away from just one game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, like the St. Kitts and Nevises of this tournament. Right. But for others, it's still kind of cloudy. You still don't really know, like a Canada, for example. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in Group C, we have Martinique, Panama, Costa Rica and El Salvador. Last uh, episode where we previewed the tournament, you made a point to say that El Salvador specifically peaked already. That yeah. they were a team that in 2020 reached the height that people were hoping that they could reach. Granted, maybe it wasn't as high as some people were hoping for, but it was something. They were able to compete against the USA. They were yeah. able to make it into the World Cup qualifying final round and have some good moments here and there. Absolutely. But I always felt that there was always more that El Salvadorians yearned for. I always felt that this was just a stepping stone towards what was hopefully going to be a successful 2026 World Cup tournament. 
And I said it. There were some big takeaways after one game, and there's barely some takeaways you can have after one game. Big takeaway here, bro. El Salvador ain't making it to the World Cup like this, dude. No. The reason why I truly thought that El Salvador had already peaked and that they're actually already on the decline is simply the way that they approach the game. I think that their coach, Hugo Perez, has done an excellent job at organizing this squad and getting the and getting them to play the best that they possibly can. The problem is is their approach. But it's the only approach that they can take. So I actually I, I don't criticize them for how they've gone these last 2-3 years, but it's just the reality of it all. And and, and here it is. El Salvador relies so much on basically their athleticism. And it's not even to say that they're an incredibly athletic team, like let's say in comparison to IT, but it's more so the space that they cover. The reason why they're able to go toe-to-toe with the USA in the several games that they had is because they, com- had, they had a complete dedication to closing down space. And they did it ever so well. So much so that, you know, the games were nil-nil for the longest time, or if the USA did get a goal, it might be the only goal that they could get. But it's because El Salvador had one thing in mind, and that was, we're just going to close up shop, and we're not going to let our opponent have, our, have their way with us in our own box. El Salvador have done an incredible job at that. My problem with that type of approach is that it doesn't promote any technical ability that your players have. It doesn't promote any offensive creativity. And in the long run, and I've seen this time (laughs) and time again, man. In the long run, if you don't promote a more progressive style of football, your players get tired. They get tired because you come into camp and the coach is going to be like the same thing. All right, guys. Let's not, let's not attack. Let's just defend. And it works for a couple years when you're like, okay, this is working. But then after you're not getting the results you want, after you're not even seeing your own teammates get the goals that you think you should be getting, then what are you playing for? And I think that's where El Salvador have already reached that point, man. Because they look labored out there. There's no true creative impetus coming from any sort of specific player. And there's no freedom to kind of express any technical ability that they might even have. So at the end of the day, I just get a really tired, overworked El Salvadorian side. And for me, that just leads to a team that's just past it. They're not in their prime anymore, and they're just tired, which is why I did not have them getting out of their group, man. And, you know, the loss against Martinique... I think maybe could be signs of that, but I think this next game is going to be absolutely crucial. But either way, I just don't see them winning. Crucial, crucial loss there, man. Losing a game in which they had no business losing on paper. But I need to focus on Martinique now. I need to give them some credit because in this situation, they pulled a Saudi Arabia World Cup 2022 versus Argentina, man. Defeating a team that uses blue and white in their flag as well. <laughs> I want to make, I want to point out some names on this squad, especially offensively because they showed the fuck out, man. Patrick Burner, 
Brunson Burner cooking, getting himself a goal in this game. Kevin Fortune also getting himself yeah, a goal in, yeah. goal in this game. And then finally, Carl Fabian assisting in this game. These three players got heavily involved offensively, and they put El Salvador in a fucking guillotine, dude. They had them tapping out in that game, begging for their lives because Martinique came out so ferociously. They came out so aggressively, and they maintained that pressure for the majority of the game until finally El Salvador was able to crack the seal and like the dying moments of the match to make it 2-1. But a massive, massive result for Martinique, who many thought were just going to show up to this tournament and just make an appearance, sign some autographs, take some photos, and make their own way. But instead, they decided to compete. They decided to show up. And if you're saying Kits and Nevis, this is the blueprint right here. Yeah. This is what you yeah. try to follow, being a small Caribbean side. This is what you hope to build towards after a really good Nations League performance is so that you can achieve something as monumental as this. And now Martinique has a genuine opportunity to make it to the next round, man. Yeah, it's incredibly exciting. And I love it when low-key Caribbean teams actually come out and perform in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. We've kind of seen it before. Curaçao have had a decent run in the past. Bermuda had actually like a weirdly good team four years ago in 2019. And yeah, like a weirdly (laughs) good team. And then um, actually, I think Martinique... Yeah, uh, yeah. Martinique have actually had success in the past. Their consistency is all over the place. But, you know, they've shown up before. And it looks like they've shown up once again. But it's such a joy to see. But then on the other side of the coin, it really shows the bizarre state that CONCACAF can provide because of all of these weird Caribbean nations that aren't actually independent countries. So Martinique, Guadeloupe, who's also had a really good run out so far, Puerto Rico, another example, none of them are actually independent countries. So they actually can't qualify for the FIFA World Cup. Damn. Right. So it's like, what are these players playing for? Yeah. Because you can't qualify for anything except the Gold Cup. That's it. The Gold Cup is the highest thing you can achieve as these specific Caribbean nations. It's so interesting that despite that fact, they still come out and they're like, hey, let's just play football and let's play yeah. as hard as we can. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, and we've seen it before, and as we're seeing it now with Martinique, we get some really crazy results, man. And it, it's just like, it's just, and it's just so fun to watch, but more so, it's just, crazy that it's, it's even a fucking thing yeah, man. the pride of an independent country man there's so much yeah. there's so much to be had there even in, even it even translates to football man there's this this pride there's this energy you yes. have to represent yes. the, your people what, what you come from at the end of the day that's that's worth playing for whether it's in the world cup a gold cup or some sunday league tournament man I, you just love <laughs> putting on that kit and representing where you're from i think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day and why you see these players have so much passion and fluidity on the pitch that translates to amazing results like this one, man. Dude, yeah, 100. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you for translating that for me. Because you're right. I mean, like, these players, somehow, some way, whether they're born there or maybe their parents were, have an affiliation to these islands. And considering how small some of these islands are, it's so niche, it's so rare that you even have that affiliation in the first place. So if you get the opportunity to represent that in a country like the United States and play against teams like El Salvador and then in the future, Panama, Costa Rica, 
why not go off? Yeah, man. Like, Honestly. why not? Especially if you're playing like in the lower tiers of like the French, uh, in the lower tiers of the French pyramid. You know, take those talents, come to the islands, play with people who have the same background as you, and see if you can pop off. It's it's just su- it's such a dope thing that only football can really promote. The last two remaining teams in this group are Panama and Costa Rica, the top dogs, as you would say, in this group, with Panama getting a back-to-back victory over Costa Rica now, asserting their dominance, asserting their skill, and asserting their ability over Costa Rica as they look to do something uh, of notoriety here in this tournament, playing the favorite in Group C. They're set to face off against Martinique next, so that'll be a good matchup to see. I think that game might be tomorrow, actually, or the day that this gets released, and so that'll be one to keep an eye on, and Costa Rica will be battling it out against El Salvador. This one's interesting for me, for both these teams, because Costa Rica goes out um, in a loss against Panama, but I'm still not that worried about them, bro. Yeah. Because El Salvador, I think Costa Rica has that match if they can uh, perform the way that I expect them to. And then Martinique, for as uh, energetic as they are, sometimes all you got to do is take the battery out. And all of a sudden, you can get yourself a uh, weakened and tired opponent. And I see a team like Costa Rica being able to do that given their experience and just their overall ball knowledge in that country. Panama, to me, looks like the best team in this group. They look like they want to do something similar to Jamaica. Take advantage of the fact that USA, Mexico, and Canada are not at their highest levels right now and look to get themselves some silverware. So almost everything we said for Jamaica in terms of their trajectory and what they're hoping to do at the World Cup in 2026 and what they're hoping to do in this tournament, I think translates exactly word for word to Panama right now, man. And here they are getting a good victory to start off the tournament against Costa Rica 2-1 and set to face off against Martinique tomorrow to continue it. I, wow, I, you completely <laughs> read my fucking mind, dude. I was, my analysis about Panama was literally going to be, I have the same expectations that I have for Jamaica as I do for Panama. They're just the Central American version. If the USA, Mexico, and Canada are already qualified, then I expect Jamaica and Panama to basically automatically qualify alongside them. I have Panama as the best Central American team going into 2026 World Cup cycle. And anything short of a qualification spot in this next World Cup is an absolute failure. And I know the 2022, and I know the 2022 campaign for Panama low-key was a failure because they did choke a bit at the mm-hmm. end. But this would be this would be shambolic absolutely catastrophic if Panama don't utilize the talent that they have and take advantage of what's in front of them because this is probably the weakest Central America has been from like a parody point of view and then the fact that the big three are already qualified well then the road's wide open for you Panama please just take it nicely and so I need Panama to have a really good Gold Cup. I have high expectations for them. To get a win against Costa Rica is nothing short of what I expected to happen. When you look at this Costa Rican side, yes, there is a lot of talent. But one-to-one, when you look at Panama, 
Panama just has a lot more dynamic players, way more offensive utility that they can get from their front three. And then just in general, there's also some really good midfield presence, man. And again, as I highlighted in the Gold Cup preview, the fact that they've been able to keep Tomas Christensen as the head coach, I think will provide a lot of stability for this Panama side. And I think we've already kind of seen it, man. Being able to try to go up against Canada in the Nations League, and they honestly didn't have a bad game. And then low-key almost had it against Mexico. The fact that they're that close, I think is a really good sign that this Panama side is actually going towards a positive trajectory. So just keep going, Panama. Believe in yourself because I do see y'all as the next best team outside of Panama if you disregard the big three. Damn, dude. Imagine like a Panama versus Jamaica final. That'd be lit. Dude, that'd, be lit. That'd, be, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be like a Croatia-Morocco final of the World <laughs> Cup, you know? Just a team, yeah, yeah. teams with stories, teams trying to do something they have never done before, yes. man. Teams that aren't the favorites but end up going to a final. That's what this would represent. Honestly, man, I'm, I'm rooting for that now as like yeah. a little bit of a side story. Let's see a Panama-Jamaica final. Let's see an empty stadium, CONCACAF in shambles, <laughs> fucking people rioting because Mexico and the USA aren't fucking in it. Yeah. Let me just see it happen just once, bro, just once. That would be a crazy scene. That'd be, that'd be dope. We said it in our preview. We said that we – I think we had a different order perhaps, but we did say that in Group C we saw Panama and Costa Rica getting out. Yeah. Is this a group where we see a surprise with Martinique? potentially pulling off something crazy. I'm yeah, 100%. I'm so curious to see Martinique's games against even Panama, but more specifically against Costa Rica cuz I think that's where they could actually get three full points. And even then, I think they'll give Panama a run for their money. So, yeah, I think there definitely could be an upset here if you consider Panama and Costa Rica to be the absolute favorites. Let's go over to group D. We have Guatemala, Cuba, Canada, and Guadeloupe. Two really notable results uh, in this group yeah. with Guatemala defeating Cuba 1-0 and then Canada tying Guadalupe 2-2. I think something that I wanted to ask you right off the bat, once the game finished, I was wondering, I was like, I got to talk to Saltero about this. Who does that result say more about? Does it say more about Canada and just this underwhelming side they've brought to the tournament? Or does it say something more about Guadalupe, the team that has been trying to build something that has a very interesting ecosystem of players to pick from yeah. and has talent, bro, has actual talent Straight to up. play in this region? Who does it say more about? The first thing I thought when that game ended, which, by the way, was a fantastic game, so well contested, really offensive, end-to-end -end at times, and both teams really went at each other. But the first thing that I thought when that game ended, I was like, oh, this, for me, just echoes the state that Canada as a whole, as a federation, is in. They have really good talent, and they can manage a game. They can beat pretty much anybody, but at times, man, they can be so underwhelming. And even more so, maybe they just don't have the exact talent that they need. Because I think, again, I really do think this echoes the A-team. We talked about Canada when they had their Nations League performances literally just a couple weeks ago. There's so much to like about this Canadian squad, but I think the holes that they've left to fill are really deep holes, man. And it leaves you kind of wondering, how competitive can Canada actually be? Because when you look at the positives, incredibly high positives. But when you look at the negatives, man, they almost completely cancel out 
the high positives that they have. And at the end of the day, you get a really good competitive squad. But is it one that can beat the USA? Can, can they even realistically beat a confident Mexico side at this point? I do wonder because I think Canada just is a little confused at this point. And that's the Canada that I saw against Guadalupe. I saw a very disjointed Canadian side, for, I would say for a large majority of the game. They did figure it out, but that's the yeah. thing. They can they have the talent to compete, to beat anybody, to go toe-to-toe with anybody. But within that same frame, within that same 90 minutes of a game, you can see some really low lows of Canada, man. And that's exactly what I saw against Guadalupe because for moments of that game, Canada looked so poor, man. They couldn't string together any sort of passes. They had no offensive identity. They didn't know who to look to. But again, is it, their, is it really their fault? Well, not necessarily because they did bring a really weak squad when you look at what they yeah, could they did, bring. They did. But, but that's, that's my whole problem, though, is that <sighs> even if it is the A team, I'm always left a little frustrated by this Canada side. Yeah. And so what's crazy is that even though this was a completely different squad, I had the same feeling at the end of the game. Yeah. Frustration. So I, I don't know about Canada, man. At the end of the day, all I'm left with is... All I'm left with is they have talent. They have the right coaching staff. I do still think so. They just got a lot of work to do. They got a lot of work you, to do, you bro. You think you can get figured out, man? I, I don't know That's... if I see. I think I'm seeing like a like a El Salvador 2.0 type of situation Ooh, here, yeah. man. Hear me out. I think that this Canadian team, it all came together for them in that World Cup buildup. I think those three years of World Cup qualifying going into 2022 – was the absolute height of Canadian football that we've ever seen. And that in itself has been factual because of the results they were able to get, the the points that they were able to amass and what they were able to achieve. But then, you know, uh, an underwhelming World Cup, bro. At the end of the day, yeah. you can have your own interpretation of how the games went, mm -hmm. of how they should have deserved a point against Belgium and how the following games uh, played out. But... At the end of the day, man, Canada did not get the results that we thought as a podcast would get, man. When we made our predictions, yeah. we saw them getting out of the group and surprising people at this tournament. They did the exact opposite. And since then, you mean you have the Nations League tournament that happened and you have the, the semifinal and finals performances that we saw from them, which just we're not convincing at all either. It's almost like the same Canadian team with less magic attached to them. And now I know that's a different team in the gold cup, completely different team, but still it, it, there's remnants. But I just wonder if they'll be able to reach the same height that they were able to reach during world cup qualifying this past time around. And, I'm worried just like you, but I, I'm sensing a little bit of an El Salvador situation. I'm sensing a little bit of an El Salvador situation here where we might not see them reach that point again, dude. Wow, that, that's actually an incredible take because every game recently that I've seen Canada play, I'm left disappointed. And ultimately, that was my feeling at the World Cup. Every game, I was just frustrated because I thought that they could do a little bit more. It's becoming way too recurrent of yeah. a feeling. You're, you're yeah. right. And maybe that's what it is, is we saw the prime and we expected more. Yes. And so now that we're not getting it, we're always left <laughs> with just a really bad taste in our mouths. You're it's right. It's awful, bro. It's awful. I hate how it tastes, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. So would you go as far to say that as I said with El Salvador, uh, would you go as far to say that they are already past their prime? Oh, that's so tough because that's tough because th th 
they have they're such an enigma man they have superstars yeah, that are like yeah. at a really good age right now alfonso davies jonathan david there's so much football to be played for them but the surrounding players the the players that you need to fulfill certain roles those are aging bro and those are going away and i'm not seeing any immediate replacements for canada like what what truly good defender do they have coming up the ranks that isn't alfonso davies once kamal miller who's already in on his fucking last leg yeah. once he leaves the team the international stage who who's a, who comes up for them? Is it Kennedy, bro? Because Kennedy just isn't that convincing yeah, for a, me. He's, yeah, he's, he's a, a little, little hand wave for me right yeah. now, bro. So I'm interested to see what they do. But yes, dude, if they can't fulfill those roles outside of the superstars and the solidified players they have in that A team, I see Canada having a down period. Maybe not as bad as El Salvador. Yeah, and in their opponents, Guadalupe. What a fun team, honestly. Pretty good talent kind of just strewn throughout the entire squad. But two guys really stood out to me, man. Ambrose and Phaeton. Dude, workers up top. Non-stop running. Non-stop riding that offensive line to just try and find a through ball or try to get a ball over the top. And then when they get on the ball, they got some techers, man. <laughs> they, they got some ability to actually like try and go one-on-one -on -one <laughs> with some of these Canadian defenders, man. Yeah. And I was so impressed with just the work rate and the technical ability that some of these Guadalupe players actually possessed. And it goes back to a point that I initially made. I wish Guadalupe was an independent nation. Because if they could actually build, I think they could be just as good as like Haiti, maybe even better. If they just could consistently get the same team together and go through World Cup qualifying, go through Gold Cup every four years, Guadalupe could have like a really good squad, man. But it just is the reality. They're uh, technically French at the end yep. of the day. But man, what a fun island. What a fun team that they've been able to bring to 2023 Gold Cup, man. And I thought they played a great game against Canada. And especially in that first half, probably could have gotten a, a couple more goals than they actually did. They really broke Canada actually a lot more often than I thought they were going to. They're just a, a little less clinical than they should have been. They really were. But for the most part, man, so impressed with their offensive ideas. And yeah, I'm actually really excited to see what Guadalupe can do because low-key, they actually might be the second best team in this group. Just straight up. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm looking right now. Guadalupe, Guatemala, Martinique, Haiti. Is this the most amount of like small level teams in CONCACAF that we've seen? Is this a, like the best level of competitiveness that we've seen from them in the Gold Cup so far? Ooh. At least in our experience. Has there been another Gold Cup where we've seen more of these small nations? Yeah. That's uh, so competitively, true. not, you know, yeah. no, but no, competitively yeah. make make at least have these type of performances man i feel like we've had a lot this tournament that's so true because i mean if you can't cancel out this year obviously i mean honduras has always been good costa rica have always made a presence el salvador had a really good run two years ago panama have always been very competitive but these are teams that we always expect to be competitive and even jamaica 2015 you know made a final so we've seen these bigger Concacaf nations outside of the top three always perform well but, I mean, yeah, you just named them. Martinique, Guadalupe, Haiti all really show up. Even Guatemala, to a certain extent, so far. You're, I, think, I think you're right. The small, small nations of CONCACAF really showing out, at least as much as they can right now. But I, I really, really do think, bro, 
it's because of how poor Central America has become. I don't see Costa Rica as a good as a big powerhouse anymore. Not even close. Honduras, well, we, we already know our thoughts yeah. on that. They're yeah. horrible. Nicaragua, I've never been able to break any sort of seal. Yeah. El Salvador are already past their prime. They're done. Yeah. Belize? <laughs> Belize have yet to make a gold cup, in my opinion, <laughs> from what I've seen. There's nothing left in, in, in Central America outside of Panama. Outside of Panama, man. And so, well, what's left? Well, there's room to be had for the Caribbean nations to just come That's up. True. And I'm just glad that they actually are showing up and getting results. Like Guadalupe getting a 2-2 draw against you know a decent Canada squad. That's good. That's actually really positive for the Caribbean region. So, yeah, more of it. I'm here for it, and it's why I'm watching this tournament. All right, and the last two teams that we have left to talk about are Guatemala and Cuba, who gave the viewers a very tightly contested match. It only ended 1-0, Guatemala winning this game. Guatemalans all around celebrating, getting a big victory in this Gold Cup tournament. I mentioned before how they've been trying to develop they've been trying to become a stronger nation when it comes to these tournaments because of what i've seen at the youth level competing at the u20 world cup and now with what i'm seeing at the gold cup with a result like this does this result carry any weight towards guatemala being considered a a team to watch out for in this tournament or did they simply beat cuba because they're just better than them and cuba really isn't that good at the end of the day I think regardless of the state of Cuba, Guatemala needed to win this game. They needed to get the three points to prove to themselves that, A, we can play against these type of teams, against these lower teams. If they consider themselves to be a team that's trying to compete for maybe like a semifinals appearance, then it should just be almost a given, let's beat Cuba. Now, it ended up being a lot harder of a task than I initially thought it would have been. Cuba honestly made it very competitive. And as you said, they were very stout defensively and had a really good overall defensive game plan. Their midfielders were committed to always tracking back. And they really never let any Guatemalan players have any sort of considerable space. Guatemala had to really work to try and craft their chances. And ultimately, it ended up being a really good slot finish to just even go up 1-0 in the first place. So Guatemala, I think, ultimately deserved the win. Now, is it like a really big... Now, is it a really big win for Guatemala? I actually am going to say yes. Regardless if they had to win it or not, getting these three points, I think, proved to Guatemala, like, all right, we had to work for this, and but we actually got it. So now when they play a team like, for example, Guadalupe or even this B-team Canada side, they know that they can grind. And they know that they can trust in themselves to try and, you know, just go forward and get a goal. I don't see this Guatemalan side being like gunslingers, you know, getting more <laughs> than two goals, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I do see them as competitive. And especially in this group, man, I actually think Guatemala can find a lot of success. I had them getting out of this group, not because they have any sort of dynamic players like, let's say, Panama do, or obviously not, not a team like Jamaica. But I had them getting out because of kind of what you've said. The system that Guatemala has tried to put into place over the last three, four years, I think has just promoted a really team-oriented style of football. The high IQ to be able to play that way, to trust in your teammates, to know where they're going to be, to know where the space is, and then to just try and play that way. Now, they don't do it well, right? They're no Manchester City, obviously. <laughs> but they at least try 
to play a very team-oriented style of football. And, you know, when you play against lesser teams like Cuba, for example, you're giving yourself a higher chance to get the result if you play that way. Because at the end of the day, when you look at how Cuba played offensively, pretty individual. And we saw how many chances Cuba were able to craft. Almost none. Defensively, they were very competitive. But offensively, man, Cuba really, really struggled against this Guatemalan team that has a lot of chemistry going for them. So I think Guatemala going forward have proved to themselves that, hey, we have a lot of chemistry. We play well together. Let's just see what we can do. I don't think they'll do anything crazy in this tournament, but I do think they're going the right direction. So overall, really good for Guatemala. Let's just see where they go. I'm, I'm curious to see what their high point is going to be in this tournament because yeah. I don't think it'll be anything big, but this... I haven't really seen Guatemala be this competitive in a while. Yeah, no. And it's nice to see, man. It, it really is. Nice is. To see. They had a good crowd. Uh, oh, they had a bro. good game at the game. I was like, dude. wait, this is one of the best crowds that we've seen so far. Dude, that crowd was awesome, man. In Miami. Dude, that crowd was fucking lit, bro. White pretty much everywhere. Tinge of blue in yeah. that crowd, yeah. man. It was so beautiful to see. Such a hype atmosphere, dude. Yeah, man. Um, but for Cuba, bro, you know, going for them because low-key, the first like 20, 30 minutes... Cuba looked good. I was actually kind of impressed by how... I was actually kind of impressed by the style of football that they're trying to play because they were trying to play pretty quick one-two-touch football, but it ultimately kind of died down once Guatemala kind of figured out what they're trying to do. Um, for me, what sucks about Cuba is they have a lot of good individual talent, but it's in pockets, you know? There's not like two players on one side of the pitch that can really like go in tandem together. Like they have really good fullback. They have really good fullback activation. Corrales and Morejon, really ball-oriented fullbacks that love to get forward. I love that about Cuba. But they also have some pretty flair type of attacking midfielders with Paradela, Arechel Hernandez. But where they really miss out on, man, is any sort of number nine presence. Alair, who was their starting striker, just has no box presence, man. Couldn't find any runs, couldn't make himself big in the box. And so, yeah, ultimately, they were almost playing with 10 men. Like, mm. when it came to that it, was, it was that, it was that detrimental to their offense. So, you could kind of tell because, you know, when they're trying to build a play, somebody would just fuck up bad. And so, it's really tough for Cuba to get any sort of chemistry going, to get any sort of flow going for them. And I think we're just going to see that for the rest of the tournament. There's a lot of good for Cuba. Loki, probably the best Cuban side I've ever seen. So that's great. Just how Guatemala have progressed. I do think Cuba have progressed themselves. But to be able to get out of a group with Guatemala, Canada, and Guadalupe, it's going to be really tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh... It's only, been, it's only been one game for this group, right? That's so there's true. There's still That's room. It's true. still anybody's to win. Cuba isn't off to a high-flying start with that loss, but between Guatemala, Canada, and Guadalupe, any two of those three teams can make it through. And so it's going to be so entertaining to see which teams come out of this group, which fan base gets to progress forward. Will we see Guatemalans flood the stadium in that quarterfinal matchup? I'd like to see it. Personally, I will be rooting for that. And will Canada pick themselves back up after an underwhelming performance? Remind people, especially to myself, that they are capable of getting a very good result. And Cuba, I'm still not counting them out yet. I'm still not going to count them out. I'm going to give them one more game. 
and then I'll go out and then, and then I'll give up gladly. But one more game to see what they have in this group. And that's Gold Cup so far, man. That's the Gold Cup. La Copa Oro so far has been delivering in so many different aspects. We'll be back next Thursday to catch up on what's happened in this tournament. And once those knockout stages start happening, we'll get more involved with, uh, with maybe a live stream or something here and there. We'll figure it out for sure. But until then, we will see you guys soon. And let us know, what do you think about these teams so far in the Gold Cup? Who do you have winning? And who do you have uh, as a potential surprise? See you guys next time. Peace. Thank you.